And the reason we're going to talk about that is really what Jesus did uh, by coming up out of the grave. It was just an amazing thing. And we, we kind of take it in Western civilization, we take things a little bit for granted or we get maybe over knowledge. The scripture talks about being too, no, too much knowledge, having too much knowledge. If we have too much knowledge, sometimes it sinks us in. And so I, I appreciate mobile devices. I appreciate uh, social media, all those things that we can talk to each other and do those things. But at the same time, I think when we investigate the word of God, we need to start breaking it down a little bit and really trying to grab it and digest it into our spirit. And it's post-Easter, but listen, Resurrection Sunday lives every day, okay? And uh, it's, it's an everyday occurrence. You, you, are, you have the power of that resurrection in you if you're a Christ follower. And if you're not, hey, let's do something about it. It's pretty easy, okay? So stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to come out of Matthew, the 27th chapter, read four verses, 50 through uh, 54. And I want you to know this before we start. Recognize the number of times the word and is in these four verses. It's really uh, critical. And is like a building block. It's like if you're building a house out of brick and mortar, you put the mortar down, you put a brick, and then you put another brick, and then you put another brick. And so this is critical to the little things are in detail to what, how the Lord shows us what he wants us to, to, be, to see revealed. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought it together. Now we pray, Lord, for open hearts, and uh, Lord, that we would just become all that you want us to be, Lord, in your word, in your truth, in this community. Community, Lord, to be, uh, Lord, uh, Christ followers, but also life givers. So, Lord, we're not here to judge. We're here to enhance, oh God. So I pray right now you bless and open our hearts and ears, Lord, that we can receive today that which you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. And so there's uh, eight, if you didn't count them, eight ands. How many counted the ands? You can be honest. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> There's eight ands in there, and we're, we're seeing here on how the Lord is putting things together, and this happened, and then when that happened, and this happened, and this happened, and, and that happened, and then when that happened, that happened, and everything's a building block, and that's kind of like our life. Our life as a Christ follower becomes a building block to the next step, the next thing. You go through one scenario and all of a sudden God presents another one for you or something happens that is just completely out of your control, but the Lord's already made a way where there seems to be none. We know these processes and we see these processes and we're going to talk about them a little bit, but we have to understand the and portion. And I, and I want to talk to you for a little bit just about that first verse, verse number 50 on uh, chapter 26. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. A couple things here, and then we're going to talk about three theological persuasions, and then I'll kind of get into the, the core of what, what I think what's happening. When Jesus cried out, sometimes when I read the scriptures, and I've read through the Bible 
several times, or quite a few times, Janie and I try to read through the Bible every year, and I've done it, uh, I've tried to do it ever since I became a Christ follower almost 40 years ago. Uh, I got a Bible, I came up out of a denomination that didn't encourage Bible reading, Janie gave me a Bible, said you need to read it, hit, hit it underneath my bed so my parents wouldn't see it, I don't know why, and, I, and I'd read it every night, and every night I'd read three, four, five chapters that first year, and I was just like a sponge, and so I love God's Word. How loves God. You love the Word of God. I mean, it, it, I love God's Word. I, I love, I love, I lo see, I, I want to be, I try to be, and help me, Lord, help me if I'm not. I try to be a person of my Word. If I, if I tell you something, I want to make good on it. I want to try to do it, okay? And obviously, I'm human. Sometimes that doesn't maybe take place, but I want to make good on my Word. I know God makes good on His Word. He, when He speaks it, it is it. It's a done deal. So in reading God's word, then I, I see this part here where it says Jesus cried out. And I'm thinking because I'm human, in my humanity, when I cried out, this would be like a, a painful cry. Like he's been hanging on the cross for, for you know, three hours. He's got spikes in his wrists or his hands, whichever you choose to believe. He's got spikes in his feet. Uh, his side has been jabbed with a spear. Uh, he's literally have, has tried to hold himself up for almost three hours. He's got a thorn of crowns on his head. He, he's thirsty. His lungs are collapsing. He, like this is a cry of just pain, sure, agony. And who would blame him, right? I mean, that, that, this is a brutal death. By the way, this, is, this death was uh, marginalized by the Romans so that it would be the most painful death a person go through other than dismemberment. The, these guys planned this out, not just for Jesus, but this is how they killed their criminals in the day. And so he's hanging on the cross, and the Bible says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, like, it is finished, testestai. It means it is finished, it is done. But he, he yields up his spirit, and he says in one scripture, Father, to you I commend my spirit. So he releases it, but this word Pride is kind of an English version. It's not a true representation of what Jesus is really, really doing here. It's, it's, it's not the, the full emphasis of what's taking place. That should really be shout. Jesus shouted out. And it's not even, the word shout isn't even as a standard. It's a shout like an authoritative shout. It's like when you mean business, like maybe if you're a parent and you have a young child who's going to stick, you know, a, a fork or a knife in a like sock. And you, no, don't do that. You know, a young child's going to go play on a busy street and you grab them and say, no, don't do that. You don't mean to yell at them. It's an authoritative shout. Any parents here ever used the authoritative shout in their in raising their, yeah, it's okay. You go ahead and do that. That, that. Jesus here, this is an authoritative shout. This is not, I'm giving in, I'm weak, I'm dying. This is it. All hell is getting ready to break loose in a good thing. Jesus Christ is getting ready to die, and he knows it's a game changer. This world is going to be different in just a moment, okay? And so it's a really cool thing, and I, and I want you to grasp that for a second. We're going to go into three theological beliefs really quickly that you need to know so someone can't talk you out of them, and then we'll slip back into this. And they're not doctrinal, but they are theological. The Scripture says then that um, the tombs were open, and many bodies of the saints had fallen asleep were raised, and they were coming out of the tomb after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. 
we see that, we read that, but if you're not careful, you just read right through it, oh cool, and move on, and you think yet, yeah, if you're like me, and you're trying to maybe study the scriptures, you think, wait a second, this is like a Steven Spielberg, a Spielberg movie. Like this is, this is your, uh, some of you are fans of like uh, The Walking Dead. Nobody is. Okay, well God bless you. Uh, they're probably good for you. I know some are, and they just don't raise their hands. They're like this. That's how we used to praise the Lord in the old days when we first got saved. Puppy dog praise. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> then we, now we do this. Well, this, was, this is an amazing event. These graves were opened. And then when Jesus was resurrected, then they came up out of the graves. And I tried to do, I, I have, I was telling some friends earlier, I have a 20-year, maybe longer year study on my theology of this, and I've tried to disprove it this week. Some will say, well, this is just a metaphor, that that didn't really happen. I think they say that just because they can't explain it. This really happened. This, like, this thing really, really took place, okay? And then other people will say, well, they, they rose again, and then they lived for another 20 or 30 years, and then they died again. But I don't see anywhere where David came back to life or Noah came back to life. And if the graves were open, weren't all the graves open? Why was it selected to just five or ten years? And Paul said it's appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment. So here's my theory on it, in case you ever asked. When Jesus rose from the grave in John, the 20th chapter in the 17th verse, Mary Magdalene is coming and she sees that it's him. She thinks at first it's the gardener. And then she says, that's the Lord, Rabbani, Master, and she goes to hug him, and he says, Mary, wait, I have not yet uh, uh, ascended to my father. So hold right there, okay? Now we say, well, yeah, he ascended over there in Acts, the first chapter, and the first four verses, the two men and the two angels said, why stand you here gazing the same way the Lord went, he's going to come back. But Thomas, if Jesus said, you can't touch me until I've ascended, and he tells Thomas uh, later on during that 40 days, go ahead. In fact, it was eight days later, the scripture says, go ahead and put your finger in my hands, put your finger in my side. Why did he allow Thomas to then uh, touch him? Because he probably had already ascended once up into heaven. I'll give you my theology on it in a minute. And then he came back. And when, when we, the next time we hear from Jesus, he's on the road to Emmaus talking to Cleopas. Now, the first rule of theology I, I have is this. He had to go into the grave, one, to grab the, the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Amen? And, he, and that wasn't a negotiating tool. He took back what was rightfully his, okay? So, but he had, then he had to go preach into paradise, and I'll get more on that, and then he came out. Whereas Adam came out of the ground, Jesus had to go back in the ground as the second Adam so that he could come back out of the ground. That's the born-again experience, okay? We have to die to self. If we don't die to self, we can't really live for Christ, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and the enemy. You can't serve yourself and God. You have to serve God, okay? That being said, then what we were looking at was when Jesus came up out of the grave, okay, and ain't no grave. Janie's singing so, so great this morning. Ain't no grave going to hold his body down or our body down. We're going to sing it here in a few minutes that we're going to be dancing on the grave. We have to understand that when these guys came out of the grave, 
I believe that they actually, literally, the graves are open after Jesus is resurrected because Paul says he's the first of the resurrection, the first fruit of the resurrection, that then these guys that were laid in the ground, they were able then to come up. Now, how long do they walk on the earth? It could have just been a few moments. It could have been maybe a couple hours. They walked into the holy city. Is the holy city twofold? Is it Jerusalem, which they were already at, or is it the holy city, heaven? So that being said, my understanding is this. Jesus couldn't be touched because he had to be ascended to his father. He went up to his father, okay? And now the culture of the times of which Jesus walked in, the culture of the times says this, that when someone went out and they were victorious, they brought back and they had a parade. And when they brought back their parade, their warriors, their soldiers came with them. So when Jesus went down, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he then slipped into paradise. Now, some religions would say there is a paradise still or a purgatory. There's no need for that right, right now. Because Jesus went into purgatory or a paradise, and he wouldn't say, Ben, just stand for a second right there. And now I'm going to use Ben as an example. So, Ben, you're, you're in paradise. Like, let's just call you David, okay? David was a worshiper. David goes down to paradise. He couldn't go to heaven because there wasn't a way yet, okay? So Jesus comes in, and so just like just like Ben would have to receive Christ to go to heaven, all these people in paradise have to receive Christ. They have to, they have to receive the propitiation work that Jesus did on the cross or they can't go. So just act like I'm Jesus for a second, okay? Hey, I'm Jesus, uh, David, Ben. Do you receive me as your Lord and Savior? Boom, you, you just left the grave. Thank you, Ben. You, that, just, just like that, just like that, it's done. It's finished. Now, all of those who are found in God, God lovers that died before the cross, they had nowhere to go. So they went to a tomb. They went to a grave. They couldn't go to heaven yet. Paul said now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's New Testament. Then they couldn't be. They had, Christ hadn't died on the cross yet. So when Christ dies on the cross, he goes in and he preaches to them and they all get saved. Yay. Like that's probably the biggest day of salvation ever, right? How many did you, get, how many did you win today in church? Well, I don't know. I won... How many ever were in the paradise, you know? Oh, half a million, a billion, whatever. We don't know how many were in there. Only God knows the true number. They come up out of the grave, and they're walking the earth for a short time. Jesus tells Mary, I can't, I, you can't touch me. I have to go to my father because he had to be a perfect, spotless lamb that went up to, to glory. So when he goes to glory, he takes his parade with him. All of those who are raised from the, the graves, they go up into, he gets ascended to the father. And basically God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome. Here's the seat that you're going to sit by. Jesus Jesus Christ of Nazareth rose again, and he parades all those people by. Father, here they are. There, there's Noah. There's David. There's uh, someone who died three days ago. They're all parading, and then they take their place in, in eternity. Are you with me? It makes sense. In fact, Isaiah says the same thing. We're going to read for a moment where Zephaniah prophesies what happened on the cross, and I'll tell you what, what freedom you'll have just by Christ dying on the cross. Now, here's what happened with Isaiah. In the sixth chapter, Isaiah said, And I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. 
Now, the old saying again, when this warrior prince goes out and he conquers and then he goes back to the king or to the father and he sits down, that what they would do, every king that they would conquer or every battle they would fight, the leader of that battle or that king, they would take his robe and they would cut it off and they would sew it onto theirs so that the train of their robe would grow with every victory battle. Now, when Isaiah looks up and he sees the train of his robe fill the temple, with glory, and as Janie had spoken earlier today in the first service, I imagine the glory of God's temple is bigger than this house. And it filled the temple with the glory. In other words, every cancer, every addiction, every abuse, every, every poverty, everything that, the, that Jesus did at the cross was tied onto the robe. And that robe is now filling the temple of glory so that every time you have a problem, you can say, that, that thing's already been fought and won. I stand on the victory in Jesus' name. That's what, that's what Jesus did for you. Now think about that for a second. If my theology is right, and I'm saying it is by me, but you can think of somebody else's theology. If my theology is right, these guys didn't live to die another day. They were instantly up into heaven as soon as Jesus again paved the way, all right? And then, then if Isaiah saw what he saw, now I want to go to Zephaniah for a second because think one more time. Put that, put that 27th verse up one more time of Matthew 50, or Matthew 27, 50. And Jesus cried out. Everybody just say shout for a moment. Shout. One more time, say shout. shout. Because that's, what, say it really authoritatively, shout. shout. All right, that, that's what Jesus did. Now go to Zephaniah, the third chapter. We're gonna read 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout. Everybody say shout. shout. O Israel, rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Zephaniah is prophesying what Jesus is doing on the cross so that if Jesus shouted, he wants us to shout. Now, a lot of times we don't have to necessarily shout. We may be shouting inside our spirit. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. Stop there for a moment. Those people that continue to accuse you, point fingers at you, Jesus has taken it away. You don't have to listen to them anymore. That's a done deal, all right? That's a done deal. You're not, the accuser of the brother has been cast down, that evil one, Satan, that demon. He has cleared away your enemies. You don't have to worry about what your enemies talk about you anymore. Jesus has cleared those. Zephaniah is seeing the work that Jesus did on the cross. Um, the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, and he shall never, you shall never again fear evil. Whew. How powerful is that, church? You don't have to fear evil. You just have to fear God. And God is not evil. And it's not a God. We don't fear God out of being afraid. We fear God out of reverence. So on that day, it shall be said, what day? The day that Jesus died on the cross. The day that when he said these eight ands, and the earth shook, and the graves uh, tombs rolled away, and they appeared to many, and they walked into the holy city. That day is happening right here. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. In other words, just literally throwing our hands up makes us do warfare in the heavenlies. People will say, no, that's crazy stuff. No, you have to get a spiritual mindset for a second. God doesn't operate the way we operate. He doesn't carry a Ruger. Amen. Right? Amen. He, he, didn't, he don't need a Derringer. 
He doesn't need a shotgun. He's God. And I'm not saying if you carry, go ahead and pack or whatever. Let's <laughs> see. North Carolina. I get more amens for carrying guns than I do for shouting to the Lord. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love you guys. You're beautiful. Your shout is your power. Your shout is your might. Your shout is your authority. Why? Because Christ has already done the work for you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now, I, I like it. I like it loud. All right? And, and part of the reason is uh, so I, I don't hear really well. I have to have it loud. Uh, I have a Harley. It is loud. Okay, I have a weed whacker that's unconscionably loud for some reason, and everything I do is loud. And as Janie said in the first service, she's loud. So I have a loud wife. I have a loud home, but she's loud in a good way. I like church loud. I like games that are loud. I like, play I like loud places, but I like it more so when we can be loud for Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, loud's not just our voice. Loud should be our love. Loud should be our action. Loud should be our encouragement. Loud should be our victory. Loud should be our understanding. Loud should be our, our consciousness, awareness. Loud, loud should be our, our, the fact that we don't like social injustices. Loud should be that we want to serve God each and every day with everything in us. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for us, and he's worthy. We got to live it loud. And then he says, I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all of your oppressors. So that person who just literally just messed with you forever, you turn them over. You handle them with grace. You handle them with mercy. And let God handle them with justice because he or she is in God's hands. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Pastor, why can't I get over it? Just don't get over it. Just give it over to God. Sometimes we work too hard at getting over things. We just have to give it over, okay? And it's easier said than done. Trust me, I understand that. But once you do it, you allow God to deal with it. Because he said that work on the cross, that loud authoritative shout, when Jesus said, when he cried out and said, it is finished, here it is right here, he's going to start handling your oppressors. And I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. And I will change their shame into praise. Wait a second, church. Those of you who might think you're social outcasts, you're front row seat in the kingdom. You're front row seat in the kingdom. Don't you let the devil tell you you are no good. That diminishes the work of the cross. God loves you so much he sent his only begotten son to die for you. You stand tall. You stand strong. You shout with the voice of trumpet triumph. You allow the Lord to work through that shout. And then he says, I will change their shame into praise and renown it throughout all the earth. Take five seconds, just praise the Lord for a moment. Because he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Listen, thank you for getting it. Listen, it, it, there we have people in this service who have had horrible paths that they had nothing to do with. We have people in this service that have horrible paths that they have everything to do with. We have people in this service that are just trying to get things figured out. Can I tell you that when Jesus cried on that cross, he saw you. He thought of you. 
And he, lo he loved you so much, he bled and died for you. And Zephaniah saw it prophetically. Isaiah saw it vic through victory. And Zephaniah is saying, man, this shout is something else. There's something important. Let's go to verse 20. At that time, I will bring you in. So you, don't have to, you don't have to die to go to heaven. You have to you lose your life to follow Christ. And by following Christ, you're starting that spiritual realm, that spiritual walk where Jesus starts to have a conversation with you. At that time, I will gather you in, and, and I, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Come on back, worship team. Listen, here's what Jesus did. Here's what... Here's what Jesus did when he cried on that cross. He, he broke every demonic bond that could ever hold you, unless you want it. He broke, he broke every demonic memory that has a grasp on you, unless you want it. He broke every demonic possibility in your life. And pastor, some people, they still die of cancer. Or pastor, some people, they still get in car wrecks. And pastor, they, yes, 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 we're in. We're in a world that, has, that is fallen due to sin. But spiritually, we're in a world that we walk in victory every day. And if you walk in the physical, that's one thing. But if you transfer over to the spiritual, then there ain't no grave that can hold you down. There is no grave that can hold you down at all. Church, you're alive. You're alive in Christ. And, here, and here's the thing that we need to understand and we need to know. This is temporal. And good thing it is. When you get in that glorified body... Man, it's going to be forever. But you can get in that glorified mindset spiritually ahead of time. You can walk as a person who has the victory. Not arrogantly. Not pridefully. Because it wasn't us that did it. It was all the king, right? The king of kings and lord of all glory. But, church, when we walk in that freshness that is Christ, man, it's a mindset of victory that's like no other. Man, you all stand right where you're at. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, I want to ask you just a couple questions. You might be here today and you say, hey, Pastor, I, I, I can't get my shout back. I, I can't get my, I had a shout at one time, but I just can't get my shout back. I need to, I need, I need to be, now again, shout doesn't necessarily need to be a loud voice. Shout could be just you being quiet inside and saying, I know the authority of which I walk in. I know the authority of which I pray, and I know the authority of which I praise, and I know the authority of which I worship. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need my shout back, just raise your hand right up. Right back up. God bless you. Thank you for being honest. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. Right up and right back down. All right. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your head bowed just for a moment. If you're here today and you say, hey, I've never had a shout, Pastor. I've never been a Christ follower. I've never, I've never walked in the goodness of Jesus. It's all new to me, and that's okay, because we, it's all new to us at one time or another. We're, we're here to walk with you. We're here to help you. We're here to disciple you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to share with you, but what we need on your side is just for you to be willing and say, hey, I, I want to be walked with and discipled. I need to become a, a Christ follower. If you're here, and you need to follow Jesus Christ for the first time. I just want you to raise your hand right up here, right down. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. Praise God. All right, now look at me, every single person. Can we just give a big shout out to those who raised their hands? God bless you. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hey, we're proud of you. 
And after service, if you said, we're going to say a prayer in a moment, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to take the offering. If you said that prayer for the very first time, if you want to come up and see myself or my wife, we have a Bible, some things for you. If it's a recommitment, you know, you want to check out the VIP, or you want to just come out and hang out with us, just come on hang with us, we'll get you in a small group or something. But we're going to pray what we call a prayer of faith that leads us to this the entryway that allows us to know Jesus, but also then gives us this opportunity to walk with him. Would you, every single person here, whether you raise your hand or not, please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I take it personally. I ask for forgiveness of all my sins. And I thank you for coming into my heart. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. That's worthy of a shout. Amen. Praise